gosh, guys, you'd really think podcasting was super easy, right? All you got to do is talk into a freaking microphone, right? But for whatever reason, in this particular video or podcast, I had a little bit of a background echo, and I actually heard it all throughout the podcast, which is likely why, at least at the start of the podcast, you'll hear it a little bit, but you'll also like hear me not really conversating like I usually do and that's because there was a total echo in my headphones and it was weird because we this is the second time we tried to record this podcast and for whatever reason the echo was in both variations of it so I'm not sure what is up with that and I tried to remove as much of it as I could. Thankfully, Jupiter is the one that's talking most in this because it's an interview about him. It's a, still a great podcast, and I'm stoked for everyone to listen to it. So here it is. Today's guest has over 14,000 miles of through hiking experience, and he has a fantastic YouTube channel that documents almost every single one of these adventures. And Again, I'm not just saying this, but one of the best, or he probably does have the best YouTube channel about advice on gear, through hiking, and all of that type of stuff. His video on the Uenta Highline is actually the one that inspired me to hike it in the next few weeks. So who is this guest? Well, he is the one and only Jupiter Hikes. Welcome, Jupiter. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me a second time. You could have just said, no, nah, dude, go home. <laughs> could have just, just been like, I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. No, dude, you're a great guy. And I super appreciate you spending the time to come out here and do this. And yeah, like I said, I, you know, I'm hiking the, the, you went to Highline next week or no, in a few weeks, actually. And your video was super inspiring for that. Love it's a particular trail. It's honestly, it's so good. It's hard to take bad video or photos because the entire hike, it's about a hundred miles, but 80 of it, 80 of those miles are like above tree line and above 10,000 feet of elevation. And so it's just like, it, I don't know, mile for mile, like the coolest thing for sure. Well, you dude, you captured it so well. And just, definitely the best you you went to highline video out there for sure you know i appreciate it i haven't seen the other ones i did when i right before i started it but that was 2019 and there was only like two so yeah. i don't know what's there these days yeah it's kind of an obscure trail a little bit huh it was then i, th I think it's pretty well known now yeah gotcha. it's maybe not the wonderland trail but i think it's pretty it's pretty well known now for sure. Yeah. The old wonderland. Well, so, and so again, I've told the story now a few times, but I, I met Jupiter on the ascent up from the Sandy river on the Timberline trail. I was running around it. And if anybody knows that trail, they know that, well, it's actually the opposite of, it would be going PCT Sobo actually. And you have to go up the giant ascent up the Sandy River to get back up to the Timberline Lodge. I met Jupiter and a couple of his, or he was with Joe. And then I think a gal, I forgot what her name was. Okay. So, so he was with those two and they were super cool. And yeah, man. So I'm just, I'm super stoked that we can connect again on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too, dude. Me too. I wish it was in person, but yeah. I guess we crossed paths somewhere along the way. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you're in the van, man. So it's like, man, you could you could come out. Next, next version two, we could we could do it in the van. Yeah. Well, maybe a different van. <laughs> yeah, the wife. Yeah. The, maybe sounds a little small. Okay. Gosh, that's true. That's true. So now, like I was saying, a lot of people know Jupiter from his YouTube videos. I mean, that's where I found him. And that's where a lot of his really, really good information is. But he also keeps a very detailed blog with literal down to the minute details of his different journeys. And just for some examples, he talked about how many through hikers he's passed. He passed on the PCT, which was 1,094, how many calories per day he had in each section, starting with the desert, which I thought was very helpful, by the way, which he started with 2,500 and then had 7,000 by the end of it. And that wasn't even enough. Like 8,000 probably would have been. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mentioned that on the website, but in the beginning, like 2,500 felt perfect. 
you know, whereas by the end, 8,000 would have been the number. Just like, I don't think you need that many calories to like move, you know, and to do like a 40 mile day. I don't think so. But just to not feel hungry, starving all the time, I feel like that would have been it. Yeah. Right. So, so even more than 7,000 calories, that's so much. Wow. Yeah. Was, were you really feeling like calling all that weight? Yeah, always. It's amazing. Like no matter how light your pack is, it will always still feel heavy. But you know, so if, if I'm carrying a five pound pack and I add in like another pound of gear, a pillow or something, it's, I'm going to notice it. It's, it's incredible how stupid that can be. So yeah, even after three months of hiking and, you know, doing this year after year after year, I feel like I still notice that weight. And even when I just add in a couple extra luxuries, I always like, I'm like, ah, I wish I was back to my minimal ultralight ways. You know, I don't need these luxuries. I don't want to carry this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you feel, I mean, you feel anything that you add into it. Yeah. This year I've been trying because I normally use like a tarp and a really like minimal foam pad and, Mm -hmm. you know, just as minimal as you can go. And this year I'm trying out a tent and like, an inflatable mattress and like all these other like oh, yeah more luxurious gear over here and the whole time i'm thinking like it's not worth it <laughs> you know what am i doing like i could be just as comfortable with my other garbage bag <laughs> yeah yeah no i love that well actually one of our audience questions that we'll get into at the end anyway so any everybody that's listening from instagram they asked some good questions but one of them was actually about your pad so we'll, we'll come back to that in- so that's a, that is a good segue. But so, so what was it like trying to keep these very intricate details about the trail while you were on trail? Was it difficult? Was it, did it occupy your mind? What was that like? Yeah. So I kept details of every single day of, you know, how many miles I did, where I camped, just what happened that day. I kept details on, as you mentioned, the calories, how many people I ran into. I actually have a giant list of everyone's name, no. everyone that actually gave me their name. I've, I've done that for a few trails, which has come in handy because I'll meet someone that hiked that trail that year that I didn't meet them, but we can pinpoint where we cross paths based on where I met other people, mutuals. So I, I have all sorts of little details and hopefully things that will be helpful to other people that that's partly that I would say that's the majority of why I do that. Why I keep all this data is just, it's stuff that I want to know myself, you know, stuff when I'm going into a new trail, like what are the questions that I'm asking, you know? So in regards to the people, well, how busy is this hike going to be, you know, or in regards to permits or calories or towns, food carries, water carries, you know, I keep track of all that stuff. And for me, it, it I would say it's very easy. And I like doing that because it gives me in like an extra activity throughout my day. You know, some people are into, you know, plants and kind of maybe paying attention to which plants they're seeing, the flowers they're seeing, and maybe they log that. Maybe a better example would be birds, birders, you know, because all these birders have their like lists of what they've seen and you know, a daily list, weekly list, monthly, yearly. So it, it's similar to me as it's just something to do and then something that I hope is helpful for other people. Dude, I think that's why people resonate with your content so well is because you are, you can like tell that you're genuinely trying to help people. I try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we were just talking about it before the podcast, he made a video about a hundred things. I, I forget what it was titled. Was it like a hundred things I learned on the PCT or something like that? A hundred tips to through hike the PCT. A hundred tips, folks. hundred yeah. tips. He made a video. I did another one of those, a hundred tips for an ultralight backpack. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to Chad that the, I didn't want these to just be like, the first thing that came to my mind, because I could come up with a thousand, I could come up with a thousand tips. I wanted these to be things that, you know, are really going to help you, you know, not just like, Oh, that's fun. You know, fun little tip. You know, I wanted these to be things that, you know, could like make or break your hike, you know, are really going to be helpful. So yeah. 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna link that video in the show notes too because it was such a it was such a really good video. Sorry for that segue. I wanted to go back real quick to the to the details that you're keeping on trail. It almost sounds like it's kind of like a journaling technique almost. Is that kind of what it feels like too? Yeah, for sure. I I think, you know, whereas maybe some people would journal more about like the feeling of the day without as much of maybe the detail, I'm just purely detail, all detail, no feeling. Yeah. And it I don't know, it wasn't always that way for me. I've actually been doing the blog and the website for way longer than the YouTube or anything else, even longer than I've had of Instagram or Facebook. Just and it was always because I wanted to help you know so it started out with writing guides on how to hike sections of the florida trail which you can still find on there and this was you know about campsites how many miles you should average this was every little detail about the animals tips on walking through swamp you know so it began with a blog yeah man so it started with the blog went into video yeah this was a question I was going to ask a little bit later, but like, what, how do you feel about, I know, I know my feelings about capturing video on trail. And I think it largely enhances my experience because you're trying to capture details of the trail that maybe you wouldn't, you just walk right past. Mm. Now the, the, the trap that you can get into, or at least that I do is sometimes you don't feel like film. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure you get that. So at the end of the PCT, you were banging out 40, 45 mile days. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and, right and so beginning, my, my first day on trail was a 38 mile day. That was day one. Dang, dude. Okay. So, how, so, okay. So, how, tell me how, because you, you still capture like cinematic, real good video, right? Like, how, how are you, how are you balancing doing that, spending the time there, but also getting your miles in? Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a it's a tough question. And I think it kind of comes down to for me is first, I'm not doing a daily, I'm not doing a daily. So from the very beginning, I'm not capturing every moment of the day. So I can really just focus on the big themes. You know, so this section, this 100 miles or 200 miles, that's probably how much like one of my videos would be. And by doing that, it's just like, all right, well, what's the theme of this section? Am I going through some personal problem? Is there maybe some big fire damage? Is it, a, I don't know, really the most beautiful section of this area is, you know, what's the big theme? And I can focus on that. And usually I don't even have to think about that while I'm out there. I just kind of plot around and film little things and figure it out later. So I, so in many ways, I don't have to film nearly as much as a lot of people because I'm not doing the daily. Yeah. yeah. And I'd say the other big thing for me is I always want it to be about the hike. You know, I want I want the hike to come first for me personally. So I, I don't want to be filming every second. You know, I want to be enjoying my hike to the fullest that I can enjoy my hike. And then, you know, focus on just getting the important stuff. Cool. Okay. So, so instead of, yeah, instead, I mean, a daily vlog on the PCT, I feel like I would definitely get burnt out. Oh my it gosh. would be a job. Yeah. It yeah. would, it would turn your hike into a full time job while you're out there. You know, when I come home, that's a different story, but then I'm home, yeah. you know, but I, I don't want to be every town I get into searching for the best Wi-Fi, you know, and if I stay at a hotel that has crappy Wi-Fi, what are you going to do? You got to leave. You got to find better. <laughs> you know, I don't want I don't want to be sitting in my tent for hours editing each night. That's not for me. I'm happy other people do it. You know, I think it's I think it's incredible so many people do, but I don't want to do that personally. Yeah, cuz the hike comes first. Yeah. Right on. Dude. Love it. Now, you have 14,000 miles of through hiking experience. What do you think about that, man? When you say 14,000, does that even seem real? <laughs> does it even seem like a real number? Yeah, it seems kind of small because there, there's, always, there's always someone doing more, you know? Yeah. So I could name a lot of people that have a lot more miles than that, you know, <laughs> where I feel like I'm just trying to catch up to them, but they're still hiking. So I don't know if I'll ever catch up, but I, 
it felt really, really special to me to cross over 10,000. That was when I was doing the 1,000 mile Florida trail for the second time. So 10,000 was a really big number. And now it's like, I think 20,000 will be the next really big one, probably in a couple of years or something. But yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that I've gotten to experience so much and see so much. And, you know, I feel like I, I don't know an area until I've done a through hike in that area. Yeah. I, I was asked to do like, to be a backpacking guide once and all the trips that they were doing were in areas where I hadn't yet through hiked. And it's like, all right, I have a bunch of backpacking experience and knowledge on gear and tips and skills and whatever, but yeah. like I want to know the plants, the birds, the animals, the, yeah. you know, the, the geology of that area. And I don't get that until I've through hiked it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, that's funny, man. Cause I kind of have like the same thing going where like, I, I, I almost think of it as the way that I like want to experience the East coast or something like that. Cause I haven't really done anything on the East coast, but I'm like, it's cool, dude. Well, I was like, well, maybe I should do the long trail for me. Uh, have you done it? Did you do that? No, no, I haven't. Uh, you triple scouter, though. That dude, I think that would be a great one for you. Yeah. Because it's so like punchy, you know, it's, I don't know. You, you seem very fitness oriented, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the long trail is super great for that because it's just straight up that mountain and then straight back down. And you're never like climbing just for hours on hours. It's, it's always just physically very, very, very fun and engaging, you know, whereas a lot of trails it it's more about the view, whereas like physically it's less interesting. I could name a few, but I feel like I'd be talking down on them when I'm not, you know, they have different things that are special about them. So yeah. the long trail I think would really suit you. Oh. Yeah. Dude. Okay, man. You're inspiring me. Okay. That's cool. You'd love it. That's going to have to be, I'm going to look into it actually after this podcast. I might be able yeah, to. Or man, going off to the whites and doing like the Pemi loop or the well, the white mountains of New Hampshire. I think there's a lot of stuff out there for you. Yeah. Okay. Dude, that's really cool. And, and like, so I haven't really experienced the East coast. And so to me, it's like, I'm going to go do a through hike there so I can meet some people. I can get my resupplies if, if, or whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing. But like, I feel like I really intimately experience a place when you're through hiking it. Yeah. Now, you certainly get a much better feel for it. Yeah. 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 And, and so like, that's, that's kind of like been my MO. It's like, if I'm going to go travel the East coast, I want to, well, cool. Well, I'm putting that one on the list. I'm literally like writing it down, uh, but yeah, that would be the triple tiara right there for me. So that's wonderland. Wait, Tahoe rim. So it's uh, JMT, okay, CT, and then yeah, Long Trail. So okay, was- I've heard of that many times. I just couldn't think of which ones exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's another one out there of like slightly shorter, you know, like Tahoe Rim, and I don't know some other hundred mile. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. that's cool. I actually, you know, I actually bike packed the tahoe rim so but i did it it's called the tahoe twirl so obviously you couldn't ride it in the wilderness areas remember seeing that yeah yeah so it was really cool because you could just it was a circumnavigation of the whole lake but you were on a mountain bike it was pretty wild yeah Yeah, that sounds awesome well you know so dude you know how tough the sierra is yeah i mean and like that's like part of the sierra and it was just like over rocks and things and sure Yeah, but that that actually sparks a question for me: is what's kind of what's been like the hardest terrain for you to hike in? Do you have any that you kind of remember, like maybe North Cascades, the Sierra? Like, what would be the? What do you mean by terrain? Like, how would you define that? So, like for me, like the Sierra is super was super tough because it was like high elevation, it was super freaking rocky, and like you were just doing like it felt like you were doing giant steps like all of the time, and it was just you'd go up the mountain the whole time to summit the pass and you go down the mountain. And it was just like mentally it was tough too. Cause you had to be thunderstorms and all that. I would think the Sierra for me would be the toughest. So like for you, like what was like kind of the toughest kind of physically and mentally for you? Sure. I, I think the Sierra is, is difficult for like the elevation for me, you know, just being at that high, you're always winded. Like you're always winded, you know, going up those super high elevation passes and whatnot. But I feel like the trail itself 
is pretty cruisy because it's an actual trail. I think uh, what I had just done, the Grand Enchantment Trail, which was about 800 miles through southern Arizona and New Mexico, 800 miles from Phoenix to Albuquerque. And that's not a trail, you know, it, it, maybe there once was trails there that it connected, but it's bushwhacking through thorns and with the rocks, you know, and these aren't like solid rocks. I feel like JMT or something, you step on a rock and it's probably not going to roll on you. This trail is just like you step on a rock and it's just a dice roll of, is it going to slip out from underneath you? (laughs) So that was really, really tough. It just very mentally draining, like not really being able to see where I'm going, you know, so navigationally. Yeah, every little thing about that was hard. So so tell me more about the Grand Enchantment Trail. I'm not that versed in what that is. I don't, I think I've yeah. heard it come up a couple times. I think it's a trail that doesn't really want people to be versed in it, to be honest. You know, it, like I said, it's not really a trail. It's a route. It's a line on a map. There is no trail association. It is just one guy and his wife that are creating resources for it. You know, he created the, he designed it, he mapped it, he's hiked it multiple times. His wife has hiked it. And yeah, it's very rough. And I think it's just getting rougher as the years go on because of fires, you know, wildfires. And, you know, with something like the PCT, if you have a wildfire come through the area, you have a whole crew of volunteers to go out there and chop down those trees and maintain it and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, it's burnt, but it's not that hard physically. Whereas the wildfire comes through this area and, you know, there, there's no one maintaining it. So it's a lot of blowdowns. And oh. I kind of I felt that for anyone that really, really, really loved the Pacific Northwest Trail and all the stuff that came along with that, not just the views, but the mm-hmm. the fun stuff, then I, I think then something more along the lines of the Grand Enchantment or the Mogollon Rim or any of those routes would maybe be more in line with what they enjoy. You know, less people, no people. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, what was that like? I mean, because you're, you know, on the PCT, you have this big culture around it and and you're meeting people every day you passed almost 1100 hikers and what was that like going to the grand enchantment where it's just like you well actually kind of funny about the pct i met about a thousand of those well i think about 900 of those hikers in just the first thousand miles so in the next Mm -hmm. 1600 miles i only met 200 more really you know so as I got more north, there was less and less and less and less people. And come Washington, there were days where I, I didn't see another hiker at all. Maybe that was because of my pace. Maybe that was because people have dropped out by Washington, you know, or I don't know. So it's just interesting that there's so many throughout the desert, maybe the Sierra, but then anywhere north of that, you're going to see a lot less. So you know, going from 1,100 hikers on the PCT to six hikers on the Grand Enchantment Trail was quite the isolating experience. It was very isolating, you know, and it's so remote that the majority of the time I don't have cell service, you know, for days. I think I think I went like nine days with no cell service whatsoever. Not I resupplied, and not even in that town did I have cell service, you know, so... It's like I can't call anyone or text anyone. I'm just totally alone. And from what I understood, I talked to a couple other people that hiked the trail this year. And one of them said that they only met one other person, one other hiker during their hike. And they were blown away that I had met so many, six people. So, you know, that I, I think that's it right there. It's just like you are alone. And if you get in trouble, you're in real trouble. So, now, yeah, how, it was hard at times, man. Very hard. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, man, because you <laughs> you're a very you're a very charismatic person, and huh. you know, for me, when I was doing the JMT in 2020, I was going northbound, which was like the the way that you usually don't do it. They add like you know, it adds 30 miles, whatever you enter from the south. south. Huh. And in 2020, there wasn't like 
anybody on trail. Very, very, oh, yeah, very, sure. very few people. I thought I was going to have a trail family. I thought all this stuff was going to happen. Nothing. And yeah. I, I battled thoughts of being very lonely, although, although I like doing things solo. So it was like super, it was weird. It was weird to me. Did you ever have like those conflicting things of like, well, I like doing things solo, but dang, I would really like it if someone was hiking with me too. Totally. Yeah. I went through that the entire way just of, you know, enjoying being so alone, being able to stop and take a break and not have to consider like there's hikers coming up and I got to get moving or, right. you know, you pass someone and it's, you don't want to just keep leapfrogging them. You don't want them to pass you and you to pass them. You know, you want to, if you're going to pass someone, you want to stay ahead of them. So out there, there was no concern about that. I, I could just really enjoy my time and enjoy the landscape and the scenery and everything without concern of other people but uh, yeah i think i think when the trail got really 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 hard that was the times where i was like man i wish there was just one other person you know here to do this with me you know to either get through this together or you know to keep each other accountable for safety you know because it's hard to make the perfect decision every time so Yes. What, what did you, so those moments hit and you're by yourself, what, how did you get out of that? Cause that could be like a dark hole to go down. I've been in those before where it's like, Ooh, that can keep just spiraling. How did you get yourself out of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I think generally I'm a pretty upbeat person, you know, can kind of twist anything into a good time. And I mean, that's, that's why I went out there. This is why, this is why I did that trail. This is why I'm doing the great divide trail next is I I want to broaden my skills, you know, and broaden the environments and the types of problems that I'm dealing with, you know, the off trail travel and the navigation and not really seeing other people. Like that's why I wanted to do these things in the first place. So, you know, I, I can't go out there and then complain because it's like this is exactly what I chose and what I wanted so if you know there's there's a lot of people after they do maybe the triple crown or something they'll go off and they'll do I don't know any any other trail they'll they'll try the Pacific Northwest Trail or the Florida Trail if they want to stick to the National Scenic Trails or I don't know there's so many cool trails out there but a lot of people will quickly find that they really do love that community and yeah. above all they want that community so it's certainly not for everyone and i think it's good to you know kind of know like what is it you want from these hikes you know and i think that can go for gear as well i'm certainly on the super minimal super ultralight side and that's because like on the hike my big focus is you know being as comfortable as possible while walking whereas if i was out there for the community in even a small way which I love the community, but I go out there to, to hike primarily for sure. I would, I would carry, you know, more luxuries for camp. I would carry a stove and a pot to hang around a campfire and cook my food with friends and stuff. But instead, like, you know, I kind of expect to be alone most days and that's what I enjoy most days. So, you know, I cold soak my food and I bring a pretty minimal kit all around because it facilitates that best, you know, so I guess just knowing what you want and what you're out there for really helps in a lot of ways. I'm going to clip. This is going to be clipped for Instagram because that was so good. You know what you want. And I hope everybody, I, I would encourage people to rewind that whole thing and listen to it again, because that's, that's so much gold. When I did, when I got off the JMT finally, the the year prior, I had done some section hike, like 240 miles of the PCT. I just did a section hike through Bend, actually around Bend, Oregon, up to Washington, actually. Oh, Cascade cool. Box. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this is so freaking cool. And then I went to the JMT and there was like nobody on it. And I was like, this is awesome, but I'm super lonely. And I think in that moment is when I actually figured out that, hey, I actually really enjoy the community aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though I go solo... I like going solo because I'm not married to somebody on the trail, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have that option. You can stick with friends or you could move on. Exactly. And that's what I love. And anyway, so I, 
yeah, you just yeah. triggered some things of I'm like, oh, maybe that is yeah, I do like the community aspect of it. But that was I mean, it, goes, it goes all sorts of ways too, with like, you know, maybe you just really love testing new gear. You know, it's like, all right, you're not just gonna go super minimal all the time and you're not gonna be hiking like forties every day because you know, you want to try out that new camp stove and you're trying out that new tent and it's going to take you a little longer to set up and break down. And, right. you know, there, there's all sorts of things or like birders. I keep coming back to birds cause I like birds, <laughs> you know, people, people carrying monocular full on binoculars because that enhances their experience so much, you know, or painters carrying a small paint set, you know, or journalers carrying a journal and they really, or me, you know, my big luxury is the camera. And I've carried heavy camera equipment where all, nearly half of the weight that I was carrying, backpacking gear, was camera stuff. Right. That's because the, the hike was very centered around, you know, getting the best footage that I possibly could. And that was my, my thing. That's what I was out there for. So, yeah, it goes all sorts of ways. And I think it's a, a good question to ask for sure. Gosh dropping bombs jupiter i love this i love this now you talked about your next your your next trail is going to be the great divide yeah i'm not familiar with that one either can you tell us a little bit about that yeah now this is one that doesn't want to be obscure it's just not one that a lot of people have done yet though the the trail association would love more people out there from what i understand and anyway it's uh, the great divide trail it's about 700 to 800 miles through the canadian rockies so the continental divide trail you know the part of the triple crown 3,000 miles across the country the great divide begins where the continental divide trail ends mm -hmm. so the same terminus the northern terminus of the cdt is the southern terminus of the great divide so you're starting at like the border with glacier at waterton lakes provincial park and uh, you're continuing north all the way up past Mount Robson, which I think is the highest point in the Canadian Rockies. And this is through, I guess, BC and Alberta. Goes through Jasper, goes through Banff, big glaciated mountains, moose, grizzly bears. It's it's going to be incredible, but it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for sure. Oh, dude, I cannot wait. For, you're videotaping this one too, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I cannot wait to see this. Now, okay, so that begins where the CDT ends. That's kind of, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. Yeah. So for, for the super ambitious, I think there's been just a handful of people that have done this before, but you could hike the CDT from Mexico all the way up to Canada <laughs> and then continue another 800 or so miles into Canada. Dang. I know someone did that maybe two years ago. I can't remember their name, but it's been done a couple of times for sure. You know, if you just, yeah. you haven't had enough yet. You know, you know who I could see doing that is Joe. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. Well, he's got his own project going on right now. <laughs> what, yeah. What's, what's he doing right now? I know he, so he yo-yoed the PCT, didn't he? Both him and Mooch. Oh, yeah, did they really. God. Yeah, Mooch. So she was the sec. She was the second female to ever do it, and huh. I don't know how Gasket fits into the whole scheme. Maybe like the fifth or fifth or sixth male to do it. Anyway, so they both yo-yoed the PCT last year. Now I think Mooch is. I don't know. Anyway, she's maybe outward bound or like guiding trips, or I think she works as a ski instructor. She's outdoors for sure. But Gasket is currently out on the Appalachian Trail attempting a yo-yo of that. So his current project is to yo-yo the Triple Crown. So I, I, I would imagine the CDT would be the hardest, but it's good that he like really started out with the PCT because so much could happen. You know, fires, so much could prevent right. you without any, without you doing anything. Uh, from completing it you could be in perfectly great health and fires snow all sorts of stuff could come early and just totally stop you so i think by comparison the appalachian trail yo-yo will be a lot easier than his pct yo-yo <laughs> sure and now, for anyone unfamiliar the a yo-yo is to hike a trail in one direction from termini to termini and then hike it back 
in that same season. Turned right around. So Mexico to Canada and then all the way back to Mexico. Yeah. So Jeez. that's what Joe is doing right now. That, yeah. And, and I remember reading and you, I think you said this too in your videos, but like you, you had started early enough because you're like, I need to get through all this stuff before fires come up. No, I, you, you almost got it. You're very, very close. I started very late, oh. but I went super fast because of the because okay. of the potential for fires. So first, I started late because I don't want to step on snow. I want to be walking on dry trail. And then I went really, really fast to avoid fires. So I tell people a lot, you know, be honest with yourself about the pace that you're going to be able to do on something like on a trail like the PCT. And if you're going to go slow, you should start really early. If you're going to go an average speed, you should start maybe somewhere in the middle. And if you're going to go super fast, you should start very late. Because, you know, it's going to work out well for you with the snowpack. You know, if you start late, but you go fast, you're going to be relatively dry. You know, not walking on too much of that. If you start really early, but you're going quite slow, which nothing wrong with that. You're enjoying it. You're enjoying the town, the scenery, the you're enjoying your hike and you're going at a comfortable pace to you. Nothing wrong with going slower. You know, starting early, you're hopefully going to hit like the Sierra when there's a little bit less snow, but then also hopefully you'll be far enough north before the fires begin. Cuz uh, I've I think the fires are they're not predictable, but I think it's pretty well known now like roughly the season when it's going to begin late summer, early fall, every year, fire season on the PCT and the Continental Divide Trail at this point, but I don't have as much experience over there. You know, so it's like, all right, late summer comes and I want to I want to be at least in northern California. I want to be getting out of there, you know. But yeah. Gold. A new through hike. Yes, another gold nugget especially for people that are going to be doing the PCT in the subsequent years. When did you start then? May 10th. May 10th. Yeah. Wow. I, I think the most popular dates would be like mid-April, just for like an average pace through hike. Mid-April is probably the most popular. But, you know, if you can go faster and you want to go faster, I would I would not start mid-April. You know, if, and if you are going slower than average, I would not start mid-April. I would start earlier than that. Yeah, I, I think you're going to run into Mother Nature. Yes, I want you know I I really am wondering what some of the PCTers are encountering in the Sierra this year. It's kind of terrible, pretty crazy, yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy year. Even Utah. Yeah, I'm sure, dude. dude. When are you starting that trail? So, so Utah has got that? a lot of snow. So much Bro, snow. I know. I almost am like, should I do? Was there? When did you do it? I don't even remember. It could have been as late as September. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was it was pretty late. It was definitely I think it was late August, like maybe the last week of August is when I did and, it. And how how was the thunderstorms and stuff? I I don't remember, I guess off the top of my head with the There were thunderstorms probably every day, but they they were fleeting. They were all passing very quick. So what wound up messing me up was I was out there. I I had a pretty bad experience with the storm out there and the thunderstorms are all right to me but i got caught in like the first snow of the year so it's the first snow it's not totally cold yet so it started out as just really cold rain which turned into hail which turned into snow and by that point i'm cold and i'm wet and it was a very not fun experience so I, I'm not from Utah. I can't really speak, especially not the Uintas, which are very different, I guess, from the rest of the state. So it's hard to really give advice on that exactly. But, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. You got to ask someone local. I'm not your guy there, unfortunately. I know. I, it's been through my head because I was like, ah, I'm going late July, but obviously they've had a ton of snow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had the, I know they had a, a very warm spell start of spring, but I don't know what it's looking like right now. So yeah, I'm gonna have to check with I'm, I'm sure it'll be melting so fast. That that's part of the issue is like week to week, that could right. be the difference of feet. Entire feet of snow has already melted. You know, it's incredible like how quick 
snow melts off in Washington once it really gets going. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. There is a great like I'm I don't know for all these trails. There's like Facebook groups and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you're in. They would be the ones to know. I don't even think I am in the Uinta one. I, why am I? Yeah. I think it's called like High Uinta Lovers or something. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but all about the Uintas. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, you know when I actually, a matter of fact, when I was doing the Timberline Trail when I met you, I the north side. So we had a big snow year in Oregon that year, and yeah, I was one of the first to. Well, basically, do the trail that year. Well, you were the guinea pig. Yes, I was. I left my review on all trails. I had to because that whole north side was just all snow. And it was a good thing I brought my spikes, my micro spikes, actually. And there was sure. the avi fields that you'd had to cross that were super steep. And I was like, I, there's no way I would have went through those if I didn't bring my micro spikes. And yeah. that, dude, probably it was probably 10 miles of just all snow before I met you. And then I finally started to descend, and then that south side was okay. Actually, there was more snow going through that. That's right, from Timberline to, to there. Yeah, probably. just a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that north side was was pretty nuts. Yeah, snow can super complicate things. It really can. Yeah. It's like, yeah, really incredible yeah. difficulty level. <laughs> so one of my final questions before we get into the rapid-fire audience questions would be, what's your what's your – thoughts on high routes high routes i mean i guess like that's definitely something i've wanted to get into but part of the things for me and i guess part of the problem with something like what i just did the grand enchantment trail is people go out there without really knowing what they're getting themselves into and then have to be rescued or just like really hate it you know neither good you know very different extremes but so i've i've always wanted to just gather my skills and really get to a point where I'm like comfortable with something like that. So at this time, you know, this is now when I feel like a lot more comfortable doing, you know, high routes, off trail travel, like navigating myself, weird resupplies and just like dealing with that. And, you know, I don't know, I, I wanted to go into it and not be just throwing myself into like a fire kind of thing. You know, I wanted to go into it and be happy and comfortable and felt like I'm prepared to do it. So, yeah, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Sierra High Routes, there's three of them. The Kings Canyon one specifically looks amazing. The Wind River Range High Route, I think I'll probably do that on the CDT. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, so you, have a, you have a lot of respect for the High Routes and how... how oh, for sure. Tons of respect, you know, like, yeah, I... It's, what I'm, I've done fourteen thousand miles of through hiking, and I'm just now like getting into that stuff because I I don't want to be like a statistic. Yeah, we massively failed Skirka's version of the Wind River High Route last year. <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah, I believe it, man. Yeah, and so yeah. looking at it on a map is so different than just being out there, like reading someone else's trip report. Yeah, yeah, it was so hard. But if you're, you said you're in the Seattle area right now, if, if you still are in there, I don't know when you're doing the Great Divide, but if you still are there in the summer, there is a, a really cool high route called the Alpine Lakes High Route. It's about 24, 26 miles, and it's up by like the Enchantments in the North Cascades oh, cool. up there. Super beautiful and a good way to like kind of get that feel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, you'll feel a lot of that stuff on the Uinta Trail to a much easier degree. But I, you could easily, I mean, you're entirely above treeline. So you could easily do a Uinta High Route, you know, because you can just see it. It's all right there in front of you, but it would involve like crazy amounts of scrambling. But part of why I liked that little hike was it felt like, all right, do you want to stay high or do you want to go check out that lake? You know, you could do either because you could either stand these like rock fields and scree and whatnot, or you could maybe stick closer to the trail. Like it felt like you had all these little options throughout the day. Yeah. You know, but to a much easier degree than like something like the Sierra high route or anything like that. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I scheduled my shuttle. For like I don't know what day I scheduled it for, but I was like, I think I can get it done in this many days. I think I had, well, I think I had. It was either like six or seven. Was, yeah, totally. Yeah, I I was really I think so. 
conservative. Like, cause I typically sure. on a, like on the CT, the Colorado trail, I mean, I was hiking anywhere from like probably 22 to like 28 yeah. a day. So I'm like, do you think it, are you going alone? I'm going alone. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, if you can do the Timberline trail in one day, yeah. then I think you are more than capable enough. <laughs> Cool. Well, to, to bang I, out anything extra if you are off pace. Well, look, dude, I, that's what I thought too about the Wind River High Route. And I think that really bruised my ego. <laughs> no, yeah, I can see. I can see that. This would be very different than something like that. Okay, good. That's good. It's the same feeling at times, but it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's, I got a couple rapid fire audience questions i I really need to brand this cool cooler a cooler name so if anybody ever thinks it's very generic but <laughs> okay here we go are you ready we got about okay for your super cool audience questions yes 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 we have six we have six okay okay well, let's try to do these in under 30 seconds reply and i'm long-winded so we'll find out we'll see okay Hurricane Scrambles said, are there any U.S. states you have yet to seriously hike that you're curious about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the Midwest stuff and also like the Ozarks around like Arkansas and stuff look really cool. I would love actually probably my number one where I haven't really spent much time would probably be the Adirondacks. Just they look so, so cool. And I think you could really string up like a long hike in there just like peak bagging but through hiker style so probably the adirondacks in i guess upstate new york interesting peak bagging but through hiker style so you mean like just linking up peaks but camping in between type of thing yeah exactly so probably start out with like five days food or something like that and hiking on established trails but then maybe deviating off them for a few miles to go bag a peak come back and continue on to the next peak and to the next and they have some pretty like sick looking like ridge lines and stuff in the adirondacks so i i think you could do some really cool stuff there dope, yeah dope. so upstate new york probably where i'd be most interested right now but all the cdt states as well Perfect. utah god utah damn yeah yeah all right so much to do there yeah, okay. too much. I know. Okay, we got one. Number two is Connor Wendells. He asks, what's your go-to disc golf driver, mid-range, and putter? Man, that's kind of funny. A disc golf question in here. All right, go-to driver. I'm going to go with a fairway driver, which would be the Undertaker by Discraft. It's just a very straight flyer. Uh, it just flies dead straight for me. You know, and it, surprisingly, that's a pretty hard shot to throw. Because most just want to just veer hard left, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so the Undertaker for my fairway driver, for a mid range, I would probably go with a Buzz, which is another straight one. I guess I like these straight ones. Mm -hmm. And for a putter, the Berg, mm -hmm. the Berg, yeah. <laughs> so there's all you disc golf people out there. The cur the curve is called a hyzer, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, the hyzer and the Anheuser curving in the opposite direction that's right anheuser-busch right <laughs> yeah no. that's where they got the name yeah they, they were big they were big disc golfers yeah yeah well yeah i mean certainly those disc golfers out there they're drinking so yeah that's for sure i mean that that was that yeah, my bet true bro that, i mean that was our that was our sport in college <laughs> cool man i i never really got into it up until recently and it's more of just a product of every city has a course they're all pretty free. much free, and it's just a nice walk around a park. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And you get to throw shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Does it get any better? I don't think no. so. I love it, dude. I love it. Okay. Number three, we got from Tight Fumes. They ask, how, how did you keep yourself warm on the PCT with only the eighth-inch pad? Oh, man. Well, I've been using that. Okay, so I normally use a little tiny foam pad. It's about one eighth inches thick. If you can visualize that, one eighth of an inch Dude, thick. That doesn't foam. even make sense. That's like cardboard. Yes. And I've actually, a fun little thing, I've been using that same pad since I started through hiking. So that pad has about, like, I don't know, more than 10,000 miles of hiking on it. And it's probably about one sixteenth inch 
inches thick now. Well, yeah. It looks like a piece of paper sure. because I've slept on it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nights. So the trick to actually staying warm with something like that and why I, I actually tried a NeoAir recently and kind of didn't care for it was campsite selection. You know, if I'm just going to pick a campsite that's out in the wind and on top of a mountain at a high elevation and, you know, or next to a river, like, yeah, I'm going to be cold. But if I'm finding a spot that's maybe like a little bit lower down the mountain, maybe somewhere in between the valley and the peak or a little bit lower in elevation, if I'm picking a spot that has a nice natural bed of leaves, pine needles, duff, soft sand even, you know, if I'm choosing a spot that's sheltered from the wind and it's got trees and it's got rocks and, you know, I'm going to be pretty well off. Now, the advantage of using a thicker foam pad or a inflatable mattress is you can use it anywhere. So personally, I have to avoid sleeping next to water. I have to avoid sleeping on top of a mountain because I'm not going to be comfortable up there. Whereas with an inflatable or a thicker foam, you have more options and you don't really have to consider so much about your campsite. Wow, dude, that is some knowledge right there. So campsite <laughs> site selection. I can't, I mean, I can't really say that I really look, I mean, I do, but the camping next to water, gosh, does that get cold? Yeah, it does. So you notice it. So yeah. it's like, you know, when you walk into an area and you suddenly feel it being colder, it's like, wow, right. it's amazing to actually feel that, recognize that. Right. But yeah, the, the lighter weight you want to go, the more minimal, the more ultralight you want to go, the more you got to consider these types of things like campsite selection. Yeah. It's so, it's so like pros and cons with everything, right? Yeah. Like you get the yeah. pro, but there's always a con. There's always a, after everything in life, right? Yeah. Well, as I said earlier on, like, ask yourself, why are you out there? You know, and if you're hiking with a group, your group may not want to hike that extra two to three miles so you can find a nice campsite that's going to suit your ultralight kit, you know? <laughs> so it's like if you're out there to hike with some friends or a partner or whatever, like it, yeah. it may not, you know, you may want to carry that extra luxury. So yeah. true, dude. Perfect. I love that answer. Okay. We have three more. Okay. Wild Cam Outdoors. She asks, advice you'd give your younger self when you first started in the outdoor industry? Oh, man, that's that's such a hard question. I, th I think like the thing that I would tell me isn't really useful for anyone else. I did a lot of like section hikes. I've done half of the Pacific Northwest Trail. I've done half of the Appalachian Trail and half of the Pacific Crest Trail. I've also through hiked both of those. But I kind of wish I spent my time just doing a through hike instead of a long section hike, you know? So that's what I would tell myself. I don't think it's really useful because I had a great time on all those section hikes. But now that it's, I don't know, I spend every year like chasing after through hikes and stuff. I kind of wish I had just done, done different things than stuff that I was going to repeat as a through hike later. So yeah, because you feel like you have to go, you're going back and redoing something that you've already done. Yes. I, I got to say, dude, I hate redoing things. <laughs> like when it comes to video editing or something like that, like the worst thing. But I, I kind of love it, but I wish I would do it less. Now, what about what about in the outdoor industry? What would you give your – like or just like – Oh, like, like media and stuff, stuff like, like that? that? Yeah. Man, that's really, really hard. I, I don't even finally know. Stum I think we finally stumped Jupiter on this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm like pretty happy the way that I did it because – when I first got into doing like the YouTube stuff and the website stuff and anything, Instagram, it was just a different landscape. You know, it was a totally different landscape. There was absolutely no one, certainly not in the outdoors. Well, certainly not in the through hiking world, like making any money doing that, you know, and it was, it was very much like shunned to make any kind of money doing that, sure. you know, which now it's like, I don't know, go for it. If you want to do that, if you want to spend your time like working like that, then by all means, enjoy it. You know, try to enjoy it. It's still a job. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty happy with how I've done it. Though I've certainly like maybe mentored a couple people here and there on like them getting into it and being really gung-ho about it. 
and just telling them like, hey, here's how you can do it now. You know, this wasn't the way for me, but so I would have to know someone specifically. I, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you, so you joined at a, at a kind of like the start of all of the thing, like, yeah, like for YouTube, sure. Like when everything started picking up really, and, and it's kind of changed since then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was right there with Darwin and Dixie at that same time. I'm sure many of your listeners know those names. You know, I just didn't, I guess, do it as much as them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. But yeah, I was there pretty early on with all that media stuff. I think at that time, I was really just focused on the website. and I don't know, providing like information instead of making videos. It was a little bit later when I actually got into videos. Interesting. Cool. Okay. I wish I had better tips for that. No. Well, I think, honestly, dude, I think the best tip is. In, oh, here's one. Here you go. Well, I think I think the best tip, and and you didn't really say it, but you can allude to the fact that join getting on something early. The earlier you are, the better, because once it starts to take off, it's you you grow exponentially. I've seen that with me in like TikTok or when Instagram Reels first started. Like I I recognize like a pattern, and maybe this wasn't happening when when you were doing it. Maybe you didn't even realize it. For me, I was like, I think this is going to be hot. I'm going to spend my time here and, and double down on these things. One of the things, honestly, the reason we were just talking about this, but like YouTube right now is is really putting a lot of effort into podcasts. I have noticed a new tab. There's a new, there's a new tab. So when I see that, I think, exactly. So when I see that, I think they're going to be, their algorithm is going to be over-indexing this for the time being. I don't know how long, but I want to be on that upswing. Sure. So I always try There's to a a to that. Starting this early, I'm very resistant to anything new like that because I think I've been doing it one way for so long. So have I ever created a reel? I, I don't think, I'm not sure. Have you? Have you not? I've done one, one <laughs> reel. And I hate reels. I don't watch reels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like photos. I like reading. I like the, that kind of media for me personally. And I think that's because of when I did start doing it. Instead of if I had gotten into it, maybe like four years, five years later, I think it would be a totally different thing. So I almost think it may, it can be very nice to get in it very early, certainly for someone like Homemade Wanderlust. It's been very nice, but even her, she's, she's really stuck to her guns of what, what she's always done is what she's still doing today. The exact same things, you know, it's not really, she hasn't hopped on those reels. I don't think she has a tick, you know, and it, it goes very similarly for me where, you know, I, I am doing what I have always done with adding in new things here and there, but here's where my actual tip comes in, which I thought of is do you do what you enjoy. Because if you aren't going to enjoy doing it, then I don't think it's worth doing. You know, so for me, like I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy making those reels. I don't. I, I like to focus on a bit longer form content, longer form videos and stuff. So that that's more like my style and my way. It's certainly not what the algorithm wants, but that's okay. Yeah. I can live with that. You know, and I've been doing more of like, I've always been a painter. I actually used to teach acrylic painting classes for a little while. And, you know, so I've been doing more stuff like that. I actually just sent a design to Enlightened Equipment. So oh, really? Look out for something like that, that they're putting out. Oh. You know, so I, I have my own personal paintings on my website. And, you know, so that wasn't something I had always offered or done or shown as much as maybe I do now. But, you know, so. For me, just like the hiking and filming, I always want it to be something I enjoy. And like if I were to do the daily vlog, coming back to that, for instance, I don't think I would enjoy that. And I don't think I would keep doing it, you know, which might, I, I kind of believe that it would ruin the through hike for me. You said that before, that doing a daily thing would ruin the hike for me personally. So do, do what you enjoy. Do what you like. Do what you watch. What you want to watch. So that's why I do all these like tips and helpful things, and you know, through hiking specific and ultralight specific. 
because that's what I've always wanted. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and it shines through in your content too, because you come off as way more genuine as opposed to if you're just doing something yeah. to, thankfully for me, I like doing reels and I like doing long form. Yeah. And I like doing podcasts. And they're great. Right. Yeah. And so like, it's you're the only person I follow that does those things consistently. Right. And I right. them. I know. I'm not interested in like a lot of other people yeah. that are doing that. Right. Well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it really, it shine, it will shine through. It'll take your content to the next level. I think. Yeah. If you truly enjoy what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, and I think it's also fantastic that there's, there's all these different avenues. Like you like making the reels and you make fantastic reels and hilarious reels. I love the comedy ones, you know, and then that's not for me. So I make these longer videos, you know, and then there's all these other people doing all these other things. And it's so cool that there's so many different avenues of, you know, what do you want to follow? There's people that just do podcasts, podcasts alone. You know, there's all these cool things out there for every style of what you want or what you want to do personally. Yeah. So that's the best part. To piggyback off of that, my, you might be floored by this, but my, my last, my job out of college for nine years before I quit my job this year was in the criminal justice system. I was actually working with folks on parole and probation, doing cognitive behavioral therapy groups and things like that. When I first, though, started my internship out of college, I was thinking I wanted to be a probation officer. Throughout the subsequent years, I was told many times by coworkers, and they weren't being malicious or anything, but they were like, you're too nice. You, you, like, you have to, like, do this and be stern and, and terse and this. And I was just like, man, that's just not me. Yeah. And so I battled this thing for years. I was just like, I got to be better at this and, like... But finally, once I started getting into content, I'm like, no, I actually just like communicating with with people. I like I like to communicate. Yeah. And and I guess I'm a nice guy, and maybe that will work in a podcast realm. And so now I've really realized that like, oh, I'm way more happier doing a podcast, talking to individuals like you that are super inspiring, have real good energy, as opposed to what I was doing before. And I was like, no, that was just the wrong fit. And then so once you find your strength, I was like, I got to double down on this. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's awesome. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm absolutely glad you did. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so cool that everyone has found like, you know, all these different avenues of either how to make a living or I don't know, just how to have fun in their own special way. Yeah, I love it. I, dude, I want to I want to end on that. But I have one more question. I have one more question. Okay. From my buddy. My buddy. And I think this will be a good one to end on. So Grateful Gatsby, also known as Sean Ennis, he's from Zwick. He just asked, what have you learned about living after hiking all of these miles? I know that's a very general question. It is kind of tough because I've been living this way now for a while, like eight, nine, ten years, something like that. So sometimes it's hard to like, see exactly what I'm doing from the inside. But first, you know, like, I don't need as much as I don't need a whole lot to be happy. You know, like, I really want the things that I own to be of value to me and be things that I use, just like in backpacking, if you're carrying stuff you don't use, what are you doing with it? You know, so it's same within life with just things that you own. If you're not using it, if you're not wearing it, if it's just like cluttering your life, and what what are you really doing with it? You know, and that could go for like physical objects, or that could go for, I don't know, even relationships, or just feelings and thoughts about yourself. If it's not useful to me, then I try not to keep it around, you know, or I try and with products and things traded in for something different than I am going to use. So that's, that's really been a big one, you know, and I guess like the through hiking is kind of, you know, it broke me in the way of like, I, I don't think anyone should spend their life just working every single day and taking like two weeks of vacation per year. 
I think you should, I think everyone should get out and do the things they want and see the world and experience the world if that's what they want. Because some people don't want that. You know, I, I've known many people that are like super happy. And what they want is they want their home, they want their minivan, they want their kids. And that's like their passion and their life. That's great. You know, but uh, yeah, striking definitely ruined me in the way of just, I really want to get out and experience these new places and these people and just see the, see the world. You know, that's why I bought the van and it's certainly come with so many struggles in a lot of different ways, but it's also just like this avenue for me to visit and drive around the country and see all these new towns and stuff. Mm -hmm. So same with through hiking. So I guess that's why I continue to do it because Every year I get to see new places. I get to interact with locals and learn the history of their areas. And I don't know, just like develop this deeper appreciation for places that otherwise I never even had heard of. And I just think it's super cool and fascinating and fun. And yeah, so I want to keep doing this for as long as I can. Dude, what a way to end the podcast, man. What a way. I. You know, I just want to, I want to say thank you for coming on, man. You came out here with a smile the whole time. We had a little technical difficulties. Oh yeah. Got them resolved and man. Life. Yeah. But round two, just, you just knocked it out of the park, man. So this is one of my favorite, if not favorite podcast interviews I've done. So I appreciate you. Where can people catch up with you at? If you just search Jupiter Hikes. You'll find me. Jupiter Hikes on YouTube, Jupiter Hikes on Instagram, jupiterhikes.com, Jupiter Hikes on Facebook. I definitely post the most on Instagram and YouTube. So those would be the two biggest places to find me. Perfect, dude. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to end the recording right now. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes. Let me. I'm gonna...